hello 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 welcome back to the not so grateful dead podcast it is episode nine on this lovely wednesday i am excited i hope you're excited we're getting so close to episode number 10 i am ecstatic that's crazy 10 episodes wow can't believe me look at me go but yeah i think that's about it who is ready for some true crime Ashland, Oregon is a small, quiet college town located towards the end of the Rogue Valley and is in the foothills of the Cascade and Siskiyou Mountain Ranges in southern Oregon. There are many beautiful parks and gardens in this scenic town, and it is a place where the community is tight and the overall atmosphere is safe due to the low crime rate. It truly is a place where one can go to settle down in late life and just relax with no worries. In 2020, there was just 21,360 people living there. The Southern Oregon University, or SOU, is located here. Ashland is also known for the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. This festival was founded in 1935 by Angus L. Baumer, and in today's time, this festival offers anywhere between 5 and 11 different plays for six days straight, and these are held in three different theaters. And they're actually not all Shakespeare plays. They're different stuff too, which I think is kind of cool. Both SOU and Oregon Shakespeare Festival, along with just tourism in general, bring in the main revenue for the small, quaint town of Ashland. Ashland wouldn't be the same quiet place that is peaceful and safe after today's case unfolds. David Michael Grubbs was born on November 23rd, 1987 to his mother, Sherry Grubbs, and he also had a sister named Sarah. He was known as a very loving and kind individual. He liked to play video games and he was described as a gentle giant. On the evening of November 19th, 2011, David Grubbs had just gotten off of his shift at the shopping cart, a locally owned grocery store where David had worked as a clerk. David had actually worked here since he was in high school and he was 23 at the time of his case. The shopping cart grocery store was located on Ashland Street, just minutes away from SOU. David began his walk home on the Central Bike Path, which is a paved walking or biking path that runs along the Central Oregon and Pacific Railroad. And you can get to it basically just right across the street from the shopping cart grocery store. It runs from Tolman Creek Road to 6th Street and goes through multiple parks along the way. One of these is Hunter Park. Hunter Park holds eight tennis courts and two baseball fields. And most of this bike path, especially the part that goes through Hunter Park, is pretty public and not really secluded. This walk home should have only taken him around 30 minutes and he would be walking alongside Hunter Park, which we just talked about. At around 5.35 p.m., so just about 30 minutes after David Grubbs had gotten off of work and began his walk home, a passerby along the central bike path spots David lying face down on the ground. At first, this passerby believes that David is just unconscious, but upon further investigation, They realize that this, in fact, is not just an unconscious person, but someone that is critically injured and needs help immediately. Authorities are called once this person realizes the severity of the situation, and once they arrive on scene, they realize it is a very gruesome scene. 
They found that David had multiple injuries to the back of his head and neck, and these injuries were so deep that David was nearly decapitated. The medical examiner determined that David Grubb's cause of death was homicide by sharp force trauma, and it is determined that the weapon used to kill David was a very large, fine-honed blade. This weapon was most likely the size of a machete or a sword, and apparently, after the brutal murder of David, and after we knew what the murder weapon could possibly be, and that being a sword, there was a surprising number of individuals who owned swords and carried them on their person, which like, that's kind of weird if you ask me, but I digress. This brought no new leads to David's case. Chief O'Mara actually stated that swords were popping up left and right, and they were getting many complaints and calls during this time. There was also no evidence on scene that pointed towards a specific suspect or motive in David's case. And like we talked about earlier, David probably didn't have any known enemies. He was known to be a wonderful person. So why did this happen to him? Even David's personal items like his wallet and some cash were left inside of his pant pockets. So robbery didn't even seem to be the motive here. He also sadly showed no signs of self-defense wounds, which is just very heart-wrenching to know that he really didn't see this coming at all and he had no time to save himself. There were more than 300 interviews conducted to find David's killer, but none of these led to anything. Like we talked about earlier, David was a fan of online gaming. His favorite game was actually Assassin's Creed. And because of this, investigators began to look into all of his online gaming friends to see if maybe he had some sort of enemy. This, however, brought no leads to his case. Investigators also heavily looked into Christian De Laurentiis, and he is actually the only person to this day that has been named a persons of interest in this case. Christian De Laurentiis was known for robbery and the eventual murder of his roommate. He was looked into because of the murdering of his roommate due to the way that he carried out the crime. In the early months of 2012, Philip Lindmuth and Christian De Laurentiis somehow met, and Philip offered him a place at his home in Aloha, Oregon. Philip quickly learned that Christian was not a good guy in the slightest. He was a heroin addict who robbed banks in order to pay for this said heroin addiction. So like, some crazy shit was going on. Philip actually assisted him in a few of these robberies by providing the getaway car. But once Philip decided that he did not want to surround himself with those types of things, he threatened Christian with going to the police. And this happened in May of 2012. This angers Christian De Laurentiis, so he repeatedly stabs Philip before dismembering his body and storing him in Philip's freezer. Christian used a hunting-style Bowie knife to carry out this heinous act, which is kind of why he was looked into so seriously as a suspect, along with his close proximity to the city where David's murder took place. Aloha was just four hours away from Ashland, so really not that far in distance. 
However, after the possible lead, there was no evidence that could tie Christian De Laurentiis to the crime. Another theory and possible lead that investigators looked into was the local LARPing community there in Ashland. LARPing is live action role play, so individuals involved in this community would regularly practice in nearby Lithia Park with medieval swords. So could this have been an accident? A terrible, terrible accident? To me, this is incredibly far-fetched and I just can't get behind it at all really. Uh, and it actually brought no new leads to David's case, which doesn't really surprise me. Investigators also pondered the idea that this could be a gang-related initiation kind of situation. And they believed that it was possibly a MS-13 member because they were known for decapitating their victims. And I don't really know a whole lot about gangs, so I did a little bit of research. And MS-13, also known as Mara Salvatruca, is a international gang that originated in Los Angeles, California in the 70s and 80s. MS-13 was originally designed to protect Salvadoran immigrants from other gangs in Los Angeles. In Maryland of 2017, also in a park, an individual associated with MS-13 stabs a man a hundred times, beheads him, and removes his heart from his chest cavity. The medical examiner on this case determined that the cause of death was homicide from sharp force injuries, just like David Krupp's. So, could David have been in the wrong place at the wrong time and got somehow mixed up in this gang-related initiation? That to me is maybe the most possible lead. I am just not sure. There is no evidence though tying the MS-13 gang to this specific crime. In 2016, the Ashland Police Department hired a retired sheriff's detective named Charlie Retzer. Charlie's only duty was to follow up on any new leads or information regarding the case of David Grubbs. He has worked tirelessly over the years, but no new leads or evidence have surfaced through his efforts. The lives of David's loved ones and friends are deeply affected by such a horrendous murder of their son, brother, and friend. His best friend Garrison Mao stating, This couldn't have happened to a more innocent and genuinely wonderful human being. My world is shattered. His manager at the shopping cart whom David worked for since high school, Eric Chaddock, states, This was the nicest kid I've ever met in my entire life. Not only did this case deeply upset the city of Ashland, but residents of the city fear going out when it's dark, specifically going on the central bike path due to the killer never being caught. One of David's friends, Meg Windows, states that he was a big guy. He was tall. He was the sort of person who I would ask to walk me home at night. So the fact that he wasn't safe walking home at night is terrifying. David Grubb's murder still remains unsolved due to a sheer lack of evidence and leads. His case has gone cold with no suspects ever being named and the only person of interest being Christian De Laurentiis, who as we know, was for the most part ruled out. Even the BAU or Behavioral Analysis Unit at the FBI cannot find a pattern when it comes to the murder of David. 
and Chief O'Mara of the Ashland Police Department states that this case is like nothing he has ever seen before, stating, this is simply an anomaly that makes it that much more difficult to investigate. The city of Ashland created a reward fund of over $22,000 for information that leads investigators to the terrible person who committed this heinous crime. They urge the public to come forward with anything that they know. Even a small crumb could help them at this time. The family and friends of David Grubbs created a memorial in his honor shortly after his death. It is located along the central bike path where the accident took place. Though it has been decimated more than once since it was put together, which that is ridiculous, how dare you touch his memorial, that's fucking rude, but anyways, I digress. Garrison Mao mends it back together. It has nice soil, a rock circle, daffodils, and a metal cross that has David on it. He also puts one of David's favorite snacks, which is a bag of David sunflowers, and he states, you could never interact with David when he didn't have a mouthful of sunflower seeds. Garrison was and is his best friend. David was even his groomsman at his wedding, and he was the godfather to his daughter. So just absolutely heartbreaking that he lost his best, best friend. David Grubb's case has gone unsolved for over 10 years. He deserves justice, and his family and friends deserve the peace of mind that their loved one's killer is off of the streets and behind bars. What happened to him is simply horrific, and it's just not fair. If you know absolutely anything at all, please reach out. We've talked about this so many times. Just the smallest little piece of the story can help them get the ball rolling again, could even possibly lead to the solving of the case. He deserves justice. It's been over 10 years. It's not fair. For any information regarding David Grubb's case, reach out to the Ashland Police Department at 541-482-5211 or you can leave an anonymous tip on their tip line at 541-552-2333. With as little information as I gave you, that is all that there is to this case. It's absolutely heartbreaking, but that is the case of David Grubbs. And hopefully one day we can get it solved because it's what he deserves. It's just crazy that this wonderful person just went on a walk home from work, just trying to go home after a normal day, and he's horrifically murdered in a very public place at dusk not even dark outside like it's only 5 30. it's just insane his whole case is just wild so please please reach out please As we talked about last week, Eliza Fletcher was a missing Tennessee teacher and a mom of two who was abducted last Friday, September 2nd, 2022. There are a few updates in her case, so I'm going to give them to you now. U.S. Marshals arrested a 38-year-old man, Cleotha Abiston, on September 3rd, 2022, after they detected his DNA on a pair of sandals that were found near the scene of where Fletcher was abducted. Eliza was still missing at that time. 
Unfortunately, on September 5th, 2022, Memphis police located the deceased body of Eliza Fletcher in the 1600 block of Victor Street. She was found in the back of a vacant duplex apartment. I will still try and keep you up to date with this case because it's obviously still an ongoing investigation and I will do my best. So that is the update and I'm sorry it's so sad. Breaks my heart. So that is the end of today's episode, and I genuinely apologize for how short it is, but quite literally, there is just nothing in this case. There's just no evidence for them to go off of, no leads, no nothing. So obviously not a lot of information, but his story deserves to be told, and it deserves to be solved as well. But because the case was so short, I thought I would do a fun little thing with you guys and I'm going to need you to interact on my social medias with your answers because I want to know. I saw a TikTok user, I don't know who she was, I'm sorry, but she had posted this video where she asked her TikTok people if an FBI agent were to come into your house and search it from top to bottom for 24 hours and you had to hide a paperclip and they can't find it, right, within this 24 hours that they're searching, where would you hide said paperclip? I personally would melt a candle until it's, like, completely liquid all the way down, shove that paperclip in there, drop it all the way to the bottom, and then let it solidify over. And I think that's a pretty good idea, in my opinion. But, yeah, please let me know what you would do, because I find that very interesting. It's a cool question. How would you hide the paperclip so that it is not detected by an FBI agent? Let me know. I'm going to link my socials so you can obviously tell me your answers. My email is the not so grateful dead pod at gmail.com. My website, the not so grateful My Instagram, the not so grateful dead underscore podcast. My TikTok, the not so grateful dead pod. And my Facebook is the Not So Grateful Dead podcast with Grayson Decker. And also, like I've told you in probably I think the last two episodes, please follow my social media. You're going to want to by October at the latest because I have a very special surprise for the audience and there could be a fun opportunity for you if you decide to follow me. So I think you should do that. All right, guys. Well, I will see you on Sunday. Thank you for joining me once again. So sorry it's so short, but it's a good one. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.